So when he talks about our neighbor, when he talks about loving your neighbor, you got to look at Leviticus chapter 19. Look at verse 18, ladies and gentlemen. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge. We can stop right there and just keep going and just preach a whole message on not, not having a grudge. Man, that's difficult to do. <laughs> I can find that Christian Paul gets bent out of shape and can hold a grudge over the most flimsy thing. Flimsy. So he says, thou shalt not avenge, or don't seek revenge. Don't hold a grudge against the children of your people. But here it is, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. I'm the Lord. And the same God who gave this command and gave these instructions establishes his authority right off the bat. And he says, hey, I want you to know who I am. Remember who I am. I'm your God. I'm the God that delivers you from Egyptian bondage. I'm the Lord. And that's sufficient. Whatever I say goes. And I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, Lord, that's great. He goes on to mention that same command seven other times in the scripture. Lord, that's wonderful. But how do we go about doing that? Well, the Lord even outlines it even in the Old Testament, ladies and gentlemen. He gives us a little outline right here beginning in verse 9. So this is the process that the Lord gave in context. Let's keep it in context now. How do you love your neighbor? Now remember, this is to the children of Israel. They have not yet reached the promised land. They're still in their journey on the way. But before they ever get there, God says, here's what I want you to do when you get to your land, when you get to the land of promise. Here's how I want you to set up your system and how you relate to other people and to one another, your neighbors. This contributes to harmony, contributes to a civil society. Y'all think about how our nation would be right now if we would literally obey these commands that God gave us right here. So let's just go through them real quick. And I want you to lean in and listen. If you're taking notes, I want you to let the Lord speak to us and write these things down as God gives liberty in your life and gives direction. First of all, what does it mean to love your neighbor? Well, based on verse 9 and 10 here in the text, it means to live generously towards the poor and the alien. Now, we already talked this morning about that word, stranger or alien. It doesn't mean a Martian. It's not talking about somebody that flies a UFO, somebody that has a cone head or anything like that, or one eye, or laser beam shooting out of their eye. No, an alien is a foreigner. By the way, by the way, don't we have aliens? that live here in our county, in our city. We have foreigners that live all around us. Some are of Latino descent and ethnicity. Some are from the Far East, Chinese, Korean. We have a growing Korean population here in our city, our county. We have a growing Haitian population down toward Mount Olive. 
Nigerian population. I could go on and on and on. We have some from the former Soviet bloc nations that live here in our county. I've met several of them. You perhaps have too. These would be considered aliens. These would be considered, we can call them immigrants, we can call them whatever, but that's who, that's who this is referring to. And God lumps them here in that same category because in this context, the alien would be, as far as economically and financially, the alien would be worse off than anyone else. And they too would fit into this category of poor, being in poverty. Notice what he says in Leviticus 19 verse 9. Notice what the scripture says. Please keep your Bible open because we're absolutely going to be referring to these verses. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. In other words, those things in the corner of your field and your land and your crops, don't get everything out of the crop, out of the field. Because in harvesting, you're going to naturally not get everything. And so don't worry about going back and being OCD, about going back and getting every single kernel, every single drop, every single thing. Well, Lord, I have to do that. I can hear these Israelites. I have to do that. I've got to store it up. I've got to save it. Later on, as they would, I've got to sell it. I've got to make money and take care of my family. God says, I don't want you to gather it all. Friend, why in the world would the Lord tell these people, don't gather all the harvest? It seems kind of strange, doesn't it? I mean, we have several farmers in this room tonight, and you're reading this, and I guarantee you, you're thinking, man, that's bizarre. That doesn't make sense, right? Why would a farmer not want to gather in all the harvest? We'll keep reading what he says in verse 10. He says, And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. In other words, leave some grapes on the vine. Because thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger or the alien. I am the Lord your God. And automatically he he reminds them, he reminds them, now wait a minute, remember when you were, watch this, you were a stranger at one time, you were an alien at one time, remember where? You were a stranger in Egypt. And you're going to have people in your nation, you're going to have people in Israel, you're going to have people in your land, in your village, in your town, hey, 2019, Wayne County, there are going to be times you're going to have people who are Poor in poverty? I mean legitimately in poverty? And I want, you to, I want you to think about the poor. Now here again, I've been conditioned. Christian Powell's been conditioned to almost be dismissive of poor people. Well... They ought to get a job. <laughs> and people, I believe people that can get a job ought to get a job, right? But I've become so hardened at times 
to I forget that you know what there legitimately are people that can't get a job for whatever reason or another and I'm as right wing and as conservative as anybody else in this room and I'm not ashamed of that but let's not let's not lose our biblical sensitivity just because we're trying to have a political stance now that's not popular but I'm telling you that's the truth let's not throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater and let's be biblical while we're being conservative and by the way it's okay to do both and we ought to God says plainly here now I mean, I mean hey hey you can argue you can argue all you want to but you're not arguing with me we're arguing with the Lord and he says you need to think about the poor. You need to do things to meet the legitimate needs of the poor people. Now God said that, not me. Who's our neighbor? How do we, how do we correspond with our neighbors? God says here to share. He says to give. He says to meet legitimate needs in a tangible way, whatever that would look like. And it looks like different things. And that's why we need discernment. We don't need to be gullible, but we need to have discernment. But we do need to have a sense of compassion and generosity about us to share and to be willing to share. Not be a hoarder. Not to be stingy. God is not against prudence. He is not. He is not against saving. He is not against being wise with the resources that he's given us. But never forget, ladies and gentlemen, that one of the reasons God wants to bless us is so we can be a conduit and a channel of blessing to those that have legitimate needs. So he says when you're thinking about how to treat your neighbor, remember to live generously towards the poor and the stranger, the alien. Definitely doesn't mean to slander them. Definitely doesn't mean to act like they're not there. Definitely doesn't mean to disdain the alien and the stranger. And I'm for proper immigration and I'm for coming in this country in the right channels. But those that do, those that do, hey, let's recognize that. And those that don't, let's still remember that as much as they are illegal, they're still created in the image of God. They are. And we got to deal with that. So he says, live generously. Then he says, look at verse 11. Don't steal from anybody. <laughs> You're like, preacher, come on now. This is a Sunday night crowd. If anybody loves Jesus and ain't stealing anything, it's us. Right? Look at verse 11. You shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. He says, you shall not steal. You know what I've learned how to do in life? I may not be a thief, but I've learned how to manipulate things. I've learned how to manipulate people sometimes. And all of you have too. So God says right here, I don't want you to manipulate or use someone. You know what's easy for us to do sometimes when it comes to our neighbor? When it comes to other people? You ever heard the adage, 
love people and use things. Don't use people and love things. I'm afraid that sometimes that we are very effective, very good, and very adept at using people for our own means so we can acquire things. I've said this before. Be careful in this church or any local church about becoming a part of that church with the motivation that you can you can gain a business base a prospect list for your business be careful about that I've known some individuals that have done that through the decades through the years and they've moved from church to church not because God necessarily overwhelmingly led them because they had milked their business opportunity at one church, so they're going to another church to see if they can milk their opportunity there. Be careful about that. That's manipulation, gang, right? That's using people. God doesn't want us to use people. So he goes on. So he says, live generously. He says, don't steal from anyone. Also in verse 11, he says, don't be deceptive in your dealings with people. Neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. What's he saying here? He's saying speak the truth. Fulfill your word and be completely trustworthy. Don't be deceitful. Tell the truth. Let your yea be yea, your nay be yea. If you tell somebody something, you fulfill your word. You be so trustworthy as Billy Bevan used to say, that you can tell somebody that a rooster dips enough and they can look under his wing for the can. Speak straight. Be honest. Don't live in such a way and don't talk in such a way that somebody has to doubt the veracity of your words. Then he says in verse 12, don't make a promise and then not fulfill it. Notice what he says in verse 12. Are you there? Are you there looking at your Bible? And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of the Lord thy God. I am the Lord. Now that sounds awful, awfully much like his command not to take his name in vain. What's well, the very same command? He says, don't swear by my name falsely. Don't profane my name. How would somebody profane the name of God? What does that mean? Well, gang, it really really carries the idea. The emphasis here is the same as not using the Lord's name in vain. It means not invoking the name of God to make a promise or to make an oath. You see, profaning his name would be making a promise while invoking the Lord as a witness and then not fulfilling your promise. So God says, don't do that. Don't use my name as a buzzword, as a byword. Again, if you make a promise, make a promise. But then you fulfill your promise. And don't jeopardize using my name and taking my name in vain by committing to something and using my name to swear by an oath and then you not doing it. When that happens, we harm the name of God and we harm the testimony of the Lord. And that's what, that's what it means to take the Lord's name in vain. 
Obviously, it applies to other areas as too, but that's, in its context, that's exactly what it means. And so he says, if you make a promise to your neighbor or you tell somebody something, you tell your fellow man something, by all means, do it. Then he says in verse 13, look at it with me, please. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. Watch this. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Obviously, he's talking to folks that would hire workers and hired hands. And he says, listen, if you tell somebody you're going to give them a wage, you tell somebody you're going to pay them for what they've done, Guess what you need to do? You need to pay them. Don't you keep that money in your pocket overnight if you tell them you're going to pay them at a certain time on that day and then they get there to be paid and you're like, oh, I can't pay you right now. Come back in the morning. God said, don't do that. You pay them exactly what you told them you'd pay them and you pay them when you told them you'd pay them. To do anything other than that is to be dishonest and to take advantage of people. He says, don't oppress, don't rob, don't exploit someone who does work for you by paying wages that aren't equitable. That's being a good neighbor. State Farm is there. But anyway, no. Verse 14, look at what he says. We're moving on. Are y'all still listening? Say amen right there. He says, thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. Thou shalt fear the Lord, thy God. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He keeps saying that over and over again. You say, now what does that mean, preacher? Well, that means this. Do not take advantage of someone else's weakness or someone else's situation. He says, don't curse a deaf person. Why? Duh. They can't hear you, right? You're doing something to them. You're making them look foolish and they don't even know what you're saying. You're taking advantage of somebody. God says don't take advantage of people. And then he said don't you, uh, don't, don't, don't lay a stumbling block in front of somebody that's blind. In other words, don't, somebody that's blind, don't you put something in their path that will cause them to trip. Yeah, but it's funny. <laughs> look here, lay, watch, watch this y'all. No, 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 God says don't do that. Don't you, don't you gain an advantage by capitalizing on somebody else's natural physical weakness or some other weakness in their life. And don't you know that, that we have a tendency, a, a temptation to do that at, at times? Sure we do. God says don't do that. That's wrong. That's not being a good neighbor. So then he says, verse 15, Notice what he said. Now hang with me now. We're coming down the home stretch. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. Stop right there. What he's saying is, is you can't let your emotions and your partiality and your sympathy don't be partial to the poor out of sympathy. And don't show favoritism to the great, he says. He's talking about in judgment, making judgments and evaluations. 
In other words, don't let your sympathy, here it is, don't let your sympathy for a situation override your good, sanctified common sense. And everybody said amen about that. And man, brother, you can apply that to all kinds of situations, can't you? You can apply that to parenting. (laughs) Don't let your sympathy override your common sense. Don't let your emotion become so great that you don't make good judgment and good decisions, he says. Just because somebody's poor. He's talking about a, a courtroom scene. You make your judgments based on facts, not based on emotions, he says. So he says, don't have sympathy. Don't don't err on the side of sympathy for the poor just because they're poor. And then he said, don't err on the side of the wealthy people just because they're great and have money. You see the balance? God says, you, you have that impartial judgment. You judge honestly and impartially, he said. But he said, in righteousness shalt thou judge your neighbor. Then verse 16. He says, don't spread rumors. Don't gossip about other people. (laughs) Don't use CNN, (laughs) the Christian News Network. (laughs) That's our cell phones, (laughs) right? (laughs) That's social media (laughs) sometimes. Don't spread stuff that isn't true. (laughs) Don't gossip. He says, verse 16, Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. You know what a talebearer is. As one old preacher said, it's brother and sister flapper jaws. You know what flapper jaws are, right? Say amen if you understand what I mean. Okay, about three of you understand what I mean. Don't have flapper jaws. That's good preaching right there. It is. Because that's true. (laughs) And everybody in every church knows what I'm talking about. God says, don't do that. Be careful about that. Then he says in verse 17, notice this. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. He says, don't harbor ill will, negative feelings toward others. I've already told you, friend. That's, that's hard. That's a struggle for some of us. You've been hurt deep, sure. You've been maligned and falsely accused by somebody, yeah. You do right. You forgive. You love. You trust it with Jesus. And you let God take care of it. That's what he says. You love that person. Don't hate. How many of you know that bitterness is a poison, right? It kills you, I'm telling you, it kills you from the inside out. It's a slow death. Then he says, verse 17, Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Say, preacher, come on now, what is he saying in verse 17? He's saying, if you're going to be a good neighbor, and you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, then you've got to care enough to gracefully confront. That's what he says. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor. He says it's okay that if your neighbor, if your friend, if somebody you know 
is in error or they're personally in a wrongdoing and you witness the wrongdoing, you witness the pattern of harmful, sinful behavior, then he says you must take the risk and confront. And there is a risk. Say, what's the risk, preacher? Well, number one, you run the risk if it's a hot-headed person You run the risk of them hauling off and trying to punch you in the face. (laughs) Right? You run the risk of some kind of retaliation. You run the risk of jeopardizing your relationship and them taking it wrong and misjudging your motives and them thinking about you that you're trying to be Mr. Pharisee or Mr. Holy, Holy Joe. No, you're just trying to be biblical. So let me give you, as we close, let me give you, we're about to pray, now hang on. Three rules to follow when you do confront somebody. Can I give you three biblical rules? Number one, is that okay? Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. Whatever you do, when you confront somebody, and by the way, God's calling us right here. If there's somebody we know and love and care about, a relationship we have with them, and we know that they're going down a self-destructive path, God says it behooves us to confront them. Not to let them keep going. He says, but you speak the truth in love. Don't you waltz in there arrogantly, pridefully, but you go in with love. You have a heart full of love. Motivated by love, that's it. Speak the truth in love. Number two, Proverbs 15, 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath. When you confront somebody, give them a soft answer. Be soft in your demeanor, demeanor, soft in your spirit. Be humble. Let the Holy Spirit fill you with humility. A soft answer turns away wrath. And then the third thing I want to tell you about this is follow Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Jesus said, And why beholdest thou the moat? That means the beam, the log. That is in thy brother's eye, but considers not the beam, the speck, that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the log out of your eye. I'm sorry, the moat out of your eye. And behold, a beam is in your own eye. In other words, I'm going to get the speck of dust out of your eye, sir. But at the same time, I've got a big log sticking out of mine. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the log out of your own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the speck of dust out of your brother's eye. Please don't go confront somebody about something that you're guilty of in your own life. But you make sure your life's clean before God. And then I close as he wraps up verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge. So God says, you want to be a good neighbor? You want to love your neighbor as yourself? Don't seek revenge. Don't hold a grudge. But you extend forgiveness. And ladies and gentlemen, all of us need that. And truth be told, all of us struggle with that. And now God's given us a practical, 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 biblical way to live this truth out. And may God help us this week, even tonight, to live out this truth.
And all God's people said, let's stand for prayer, please.